What's going on, everybody? After a long hiatus, the Ocho and Ortiz Disney podcast is finally back. And on this episode, we welcome back a friend of the show, Timmy Britt. Now, this episode, this interview was two hours long. So what we've done is we've gone ahead and split this episode into three parts. So it's actually going to be two episodes. And before the interview actually started, Timmy, myself and Ortiz talked for about 20 minutes before the actual interview started. And some of the stuff we talked about prior to the interview actually starting got brought up during the interview. So what we're going to do is we're going to take that 20 minute segment and we are going to post it on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Ocho and Ortiz Disney pod. And you can go ahead and watch it on our Patreon for free. We are not going to charge you to be to watch that video because we know people are just starting to come out of the pandemic. Times have been tough. If you want to become our patron on Patreon and you want to donate to us and support us, we would greatly appreciate that as well. But we are going to post the 20 minutes with Timmy as a special free bonus on our Patreon. And then the actual interview, as I said, will be broken down into two parts. This is part one right now. So please enjoy it. and Ortiz Disney podcast is back after a four month hiatus and we are very pleased to once again have with us former Disney artist and former Disney Imagineer Timmy Britt here today to talk about his new book Extraordinary Everyday Magic. Timmy welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Man, I'm fantastic. I'm so glad to be here with you guys. And to be your first show back, like that is huge. (laughs) I don't even know what you want to talk about today. We can talk about so much, but you guys aren't just a show for me. You guys are my friends. Like when I first went on Instagram, you guys sent me so much great stuff and shirts and pens and magnets. And I still have all of that. Like I'm a loyal guy. So I'm like a big fan of what you two do. Well, I mean, I, I'm so glad to have you back. The pandemic was brutal for all of us. Oh, it was. Yeah, it all of us in different ways. But, but I mean, you did just bring up the fact that we're friends. And I, I, I do want to say something sincerely to you because I haven't had it. I, I said it on Instagram, but I haven't had a chance to look at you via camera and say it. But you did something that was just so super awesome and, and super unexpected and super nice for me back in January. Oh, yeah. Uh, my, my grandfather celebrated his 94th oh. birthday back in January, and I posted some photos on Instagram and you took one of the photos of him and you turned it into a sketch and you sent it to me and it was beautiful and I wasn't expecting it. And it was one of the nicest, sweetest things. And and. Well, I, 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 I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, stop it. <laughs> stop it. I, I, Come on, I, we're on camera here, man. I, I'm going to start crying. I sit it That's on, really sweet. I That's it a nice the, thing to say. I said it on the first episode that, that you were on, and I'll say it again. The world definitely needs more Timmy Brits in it. Oh, just Definitely. 
you're so Catherine that because Catherine thinks there's just a bit of, there's like one and a half too many right now with me. <laughs> uh, the world needs more Timmy Brits. He's there's only one Timmy. <laughs> Katum, we need to we need to replicate as many as we can because Timmy, you are just you're so kind, you're so passionate about what you do, and your passion comes through in the stories that you told on our last podcast together. And in this new book that you have out, the passion just leaps off of the pages. I think I'm frozen again. <laughs> you are. <laughs> but you are. Your, your passion comes through so clearly. And, and it's just, it's, it's amazing. Well, if I could just say that's all because of Catherine. I just told the story the way that I would talk to you right now. I'm just me all the time. And so I just said, well, this happened and this happened and this happened. And she sat down and at first she added like a lot of rainbows and butterflies and unicorns and stuff. And I said, no, 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 you know, pull that back. It's not, don't add to it. Like, just let it be untold. And I told her a little bit more and she said, oh, and she started writing guys. Now she's an award-winning writer and I'm telling you what, it's the testament is to her writing skills. My story is amazing. I've had some great perspectives and vantage points of things. And I, I can, I have an outlook on things that's different than most people. I see that. But the way she told the story, I promise you there's a chapter for every single person out there. Just one chapter. You don't have to read the whole book. Just find the chapter that's yours and read it over and over. I do. I love in plain English. It's my favorite chapter. I, I read my own chapter. But it's so neat seeing it in a book. Like, really, I'm excited to have the book. It's so amazing. Uh, so. The, the, the one chapter that's, that spoke to me the most so far, and I'm only about seven or eight chapters into the book, but the one that spoke to me the most so far is chapter four. When you're when you're talking about growing up with your friends. And oh, my God. <laughs> it, it, it's a fun story of just rebellious uh, yeah. getting into rambunctious trouble. Like you said in the in, in the chapter, you weren't maliciously trying to hurt anybody or cause nobody anything. got hurt i promise you nobody got hurt you, you were just trying to have fun and and you did say at the end it was so stupid yeah, yeah but at the end of the at, chapter you did say that you, it, looking back on it it is stupid and um it was wrong and i'm sorry and and that you assured the reader <laughs> that you're not that same person now that you were then and that's what speaks to me the most because We've all had that phase where we do stupid stuff as kids, but we grow older and hopefully all of us change uh -huh. for the better. And Can I tell you something? I'm so glad you did that. You, I'm so glad you brought that up because here personally in my life, like I have a back area to the studio where we throw out our trash and stuff. So we don't spend a lot of time back there, but we got this cat stone cold, right? So here in the studio, our team has this cat stone cold. on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the prettiest thing. I found him in the middle of the street. Now I have to brush him three times a day. He's so spoiled. He owns me. But this story isn't about Stone Cold. So we cut a door. We cut a hole in the door so he could come in. We made a cat door. And if we didn't do that that day, I don't know that we'd still be here today because these little kids were out back lighting a fire on my fence, man. And they were, like, sticking in pieces of trash. And I didn't know it till the smokes came through the house because the dude just cut the hole in my door. I was all the way out front. And I saw the smoke. I thought it was my car. So I go running out back, and I hear giggling and laughing. I see these kids take off. And the thing's on fire. The whole fence is on fire, which is only, like, a foot away from the eve of the house. Yeah. So if I wasn't home or I wasn't there, that this house would have caught on fire. This whole place would have been up. And nobody knew. It's in the back, like – 
So I, I, I got mad at first, you know, I felt violated like anyone would be. Catherine was so upset. She was like, oh, my goodness, thank God you're here. I got to put it out and all. But then we had the arson team come and they saw the kids worked on it. It was pretty serious. But then everybody else was like all panicking about it. And a real calm came over me. And I remembered that chapter that you just referred to where I did all those nasty, terrible, horrible things to people's gardens and pools and, <laughs> and, all, and hubcaps and whatever we did, snowballs. We were terrors. So I have to say that if kids are going to do that to me, then that's life coming full circle. And I almost deserve it, you know. So I put up a couple of new pieces of wood and there's no real harm done. Kids learn a lesson. They get in trouble with the cops, of course, but, <laughs> and but I, I, got in, I got in trouble too. So and, I and just want to see. I'm sure those kids like you are eventually going to grow up and realize that what they did was wrong and they're going to, yeah. they're going to write a book and say, and apologize to me because I have an apology coming to me now. <laughs> you can look forward to it in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wait for it. We call it extraordinary every day. I'm so sorry. Equal, <laughs> Josh. Uh, I want to get you on because I, I know. Yeah, you Josh read most of the book. He stayed up all night reading the book. He must have a thousand things he I could know. say. I know. I want to know what Josh's favorite chapter is. Oh man, there's there's quite a few so far. Like I, I had to go look at it again to see which ones it was. Um, chapter nine, the the impossible audition, audition yeah. impossible was uh, fantastic. Oh, and thanks, like man. I can just picture it going happening, right? And like I remember going to some of those art of animation classes. classes? Oh, I you don't did? know if you were if you if you were the teacher, oh. but I've been to a few of those, and I was I was little when those were happening, so I remember them. Uh huh. But uh, that's your favorite that just, character, Josh. I mean, I mean, like, look, I oh, sent I sent Ocho a picture of his grandfather, Mickey. I've yeah, Mickey, I've got Mickey on right here. <laughs> I had to put on Mickey for this. If Mickey's um, everybody's favorite, who would be your second favorite? Buzz Lightyear. I'm just—he's my favorite. Maybe, maybe Woody. I've, I've, Woody, I've, yeah. I've always, I've always loved Toy Story. Toy Story is one of my favorite. Ones I as well, know, right? right? Oh, you oh, know what? I love it. Aladdin. Aladdin is always is always oh, been my favorite. I know. Yeah. And a boo. I love yes, a boo and Aladdin. Well, uh, a, a fun little thing about Aladdin is. So I'm born in I'm born 1990 and Aladdin was the first movie that my mom ever took me to go see in a movie theater when oh. it came out. So You're I have to make me Aladdin, cry too. <laughs> Aladdin has just a here to make me cry. <laughs> That's so sweet. So so you fell in love with the whole story is magical for you then. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Aladdin oh. Aladdin is one of my favorite things and even a few maybe about a week or two after my mom had passed away they were doing the oh. Aladdin musical here in toronto and one of my best friends took me to go see that oh and I was just, look at this yeah man i'm in love with you guys that's really a sweet story man that's I a mean, nice story a, a lot of a lot of even hits different once once you really know the story behind it especially the music productions on it josh you and i covered this when we did the howard documentary but the fact yes. that howard ashman wrote most of those songs while he was on his deathbed in the hospital dying of hiv One that is so sad i didn't know any of that yeah if if you if you have access to disney plus watch the documentary how do about howard ashman it is so well done but yeah that was, i didn't know that part though oh it, i'm gonna have to go back yeah that, that's that sad movie, that movie hits so different when you know that because you have this man that's on the verge of the end of his life and he's writing like all these He's giving back joy, right? He's 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 yeah. letting his love out. He's letting all his passion out. Yeah. God bless him. Good for him. You know, yes. I'm, I'm doing that on my 
deathbed too. I want to sit there and compose musicals on my deathbed. That'd be amazing. And I said, music. Okay. So I can't sing. I know I can't sing, but if you let me talk, right. If you, if you hear me talk, I, I disagree with that. I hear you singing on Instagram all the time. You've got you've <laughs> selling your, no, I can sing along maybe, but I can't sing. If I were to sing now, you know, we'd lose all, you'd just watch your followers just drop off one way after the other. Like I do on Instagram. I'm like, ah, oh, maybe they didn't like that song. Ten <laughs> followers just gone. I don't care about the numbers or I would hashtag people. I don't even hashtag people. I want the people that come on Instagram to be organically find me. I want them to find me and be my friend. And I'll never do you wrong if you're going to be my friend. But if you're not, then, you know, I don't care. I get all kinds of stuff, you know. And as an artist, some things are really cool, you know. So I, it's a great platform. Natalie Susie's a buddy of mine, and she talked me into it. But if she didn't, I would have never met you guys, you know. So I always link things back to her for that reason because I was so against it. And she's like, Timmy, come on. You're just like this big personality. Just go and love the world. Well, and I mean, well, what do I do? And I yeah. mean, to, to bring that back to your book as well, you even said, and I believe it's in maybe chapter five or six, where you're talking about how you you don't really market yourself. No, I don't. I'm horrible at it. I just, I don't want to do that. I want to, I want to live today for tomorrow and that's it. I don't care about yesterday and I don't care about, I just want to live today and get to the next day and bring tomorrow about. There's a conscious collective, like among all human beings, like we're all people. Okay. So I don't care that you're 2000 miles away from me, man, or you could be on the moon. You're a human being. And so Inside every human heart, there's a line and there's good on one side and bad on the other. And we all know it. And that's it. And once we all start thinking about the next person and each other and using our own personal gifts, like I've used mine, you each have gifts, amazing gifts, share them, give them out. And if you do that and everybody else does that, then the politicians and all the big tech, you know, we need them now, but eventually they're going to see that people are not stupid. You know, we know when we're being watched and we know when our phone's telling us, I was just thinking about pizza and suddenly it's sending me a pizza ad. You know, <laughs> you know, it happens to every single one of us because it's yep. supposed to, yep. but we're not stupid. It just takes us a minute sometimes, but we all catch up. Yep. And once we catch up, the tech is only going to, it'll plateau eventually because we're not going to have certain elements to go any further really at one point. We are now, I think we're going to get into holograms and a lot of really cool stuff. And that's me looking at the tech that I see now and where it's going and looking at patterns your whole life. You start to see things. But I do think that people need to deserve a chance and that we're not stupid. And as soon as politicians and big tech and everybody stops seeing us that way, you know, we'll have a better understanding. And we can, and I'm not just mean in America, I mean in the world. Like hmm. you guys are in Canada, right? And so you have feelings about certain things. But above all that, outside of that, globally, there's got to be a care for other human beings. And like, if you tell me that story about your mom and Josh and, and now she's not with us no more, man, would, would that make Jasmine somebody that I could draw for you? Or what could I draw for you, man? That, that was a great story. Probably Belle, because Beauty and the Beast was her favorite movie. And we used to watch that if I was sick or if she was sick. Uh, that's, that's one that we could watch over and over That and is over such again. a great Disney story you're telling yeah. the whole world right now, dude. Yeah. Did you ever tell anybody that before? I I think we might have mentioned it on one of our podcasts yeah, I, before, I, Dave. I, I think you. I, I think we mentioned it on one of the early episodes. Yeah, like the, the first one. Something yeah, about why we loved it. Yeah. What? What? Oh, uh, that was probably special. Our favorite movies were. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So and and Ocho, what you said about me and your grandfather, I, 
you know, I, I, that to say that I was so touched by that. So that's what I mean. You guys have great sense of humor, great heart, great pop culture knowledge. Like you two know a lot of stuff. You put your heads together. There's very little you don't know. Every sport, I mean, my God, curling, you know, like you two know it all. Wrestling, okay. what, NASCAR, baseball, <laughs> football, hockey, I, I basketball. Don't, I don't watch a lot of curling, but I will say that I tried curling when I was younger. And it actually is really, really fun to play. Oh, I, absolutely. It's I fun to watch. <laughs> it's fun to watch, but I would never imagine myself putting on that outfit and going out there and doing that. I would never. But it looks like a great source of fun for, for them guys. You know, it's fun to watch. Yo, I watched, I was on YouTube and I saw these these college girls running down this track as fast as they could and then jumping in the sand. And they gave it everything they had and your heart's like really rooting for them. But if you watch every one of them, they just all landed in the same exact spot. It was adorable. But to, to watch people try their heart out on something and not understand it. Oh, and the pole vaulters. What yeah, that you, was the one I was just going to bring out. <laughs> you see people pole vault, you're like, what are they thinking? But they do it, you know. Not only Which, that, but like, I'm usually thinking, how do they do that? Because I'm like, even with a pole launching me, there's no way I can get that amount of height. Yeah. <laughs> they turn completely upside down on the spring of the pole and then perfectly time the release of that spring and vault themselves over it. And who was the first person that did it? That's what I want to know. <laughs> who was the very first? I got an idea. <laughs> good. You practice, T. You're real good at it. Well, you I, to break your face. Well, and, and that's the thing. It, like, I, I, I brought up, I don't know how they do it, but, you know, I, I do know how they do it because you you put it so well with basically your mantra, have a dream that you believe in and then do the work, do the work, do the work, do the work. And that's because if you think it's just do the work once you're wrong, it's a lot of work. There's no shortcut. Like that is the shortcut. Honestly, is somebody telling you, Hey, you, but the first part of that is really important. You have to believe in it. If you don't believe in it, then how can anybody else believe in it? I mean, you've got to believe in your own dreams and everybody has a gift. You two have gifts, a lot of gifts. You're both brilliant guys. And I'm probably twice your ages, but yet we're sitting here having a conversation because you guys are fascinating to me with all the stuff that you do combined. It's amazing. And individually, I'm finding out how sweet you guys are and how funny you guys are. Like, you're good guys. You got to light the candle on this thing and get it going. Ocean Ortiz has to go worldwide. I can see it now. Ocho and Ortiz, worldwide. Like, let's do it. We're trying like this thing. Ho hopefully, hopefully the pandemic will start to cooperate and go away so we can uh, we can plot our 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 world domination. <laughs> I, I, I want to sit back and watch. Can I be on your side when you do take over the world? I want to be on your side. Coming yeah. with us. You're, you're going to be arm in arm with us. Yeah, that's <laughs> yes. right. Yes. Side by side. We take over the world with kindness <laughs> and love. So, OK, so uh, so I'm just a guy, though. Like That's what the book says. It's ordinary every day. That's me. I'm the ordinary every day guy the extra and the magic that isn't me the extra is god all the way and the magic is wall and they watched over me why am i saying that read the book like it's kind of weird how on my birthday all these cool things would happen but i swear that part of the book is true every part that i told is true she did have to stretch and squash some things that you know like this one thing where i threw a tomato might have ended with this chase but i told it and she, she organized it to the way that it would fit. So, like, there's four stories I could have told here. And I have so many people I wish I could have thanked more, you know. So many people helped me. I did none of this on my own. 
I just was in the right place at the right time with the right people watching. I said the right prayers and I did the work. I did the work and I did the work. And when you do that in life, yeah, anything is possible. We've been on the moon, man. We've been there, you know. And, and, and sometimes you just you just luck out. Like, I mean, when you're talking about getting your job at, at NFL films, you just accidentally walked in the wrong. I way. swear that happened. I swear that was the craziest thing because I knew who he was. And he I, just sees this disoriented kid with a portfolio in his arm. And he's just like, you know, I guess he felt, you know, I didn't take his spot. And the best thing is he let me paint it. Like I painted that, that parking spot for him. Which is That's great. I'm so glad we're talking about this stuff, guys. This is great. This is fun I, for me. I, 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 I was reading that. And I'm like, please have a picture of, of that parking spot. Cause I really <laughs> want to see how that turned out. <laughs> I wish that I could tell you it was what much more artistic, but he was a very humble, simple guy, believe it or not. He didn't, he wasn't showy. And if you just met him, you would know that he was a gentleman all the way. But he did want his spot. He was older now, and he's tired of having to walk. And it was a big, beautiful new building. And this was a secret little side door that led. You had to go around the air handlers and all that stuff to get to where he needed to go. But nobody would have any reason to be there. So just before you get to the part with all the pictures and stuff is this little hallway. And there's even a mat, you know. And I didn't even think it was going to be open, but it was. And it was so cold that day. I'll never forget it. So when he walked in behind me, I knew right away who he was. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> like, I didn't, you know, but he took a shine to me. He really liked me, man. And I, you know what? I was humble and I was genuine and I was real simple. I, I was lost and he, I was pathetic. And, he, and his heart went out to me, I guess, because he took a real liking to me. In fact, if you hold on, I'll go get the football, right? Hold on, right there. Hold right, on. Go for I've, never, I've never shown anybody this, but let me show oh, it to this you. This is going to be okay. I love it. Well, this is a cool and- thing. Yeah, and, and the thing is here, guys, I don't think you've even once said who you're talking about. You say he this and he this, but no one's ever said who you're talking about. Yeah, that's right. Timmy, Timmy didn't mention the name. And oh, man, the name escaped me. But I've got the I've got the book here. So I'm going to grab Well, it. well, he walked he walked into the private entrance of Steve Sable. Sable. Steve, yes. the, the president or the, or the, yeah, so, the CEO so, uh, of, of NFL. Right. I think it was the president. I got this. Of NFL. Yeah. I got this. So Ed Sable, Steve's father, started with the Green Bay Packers and the Baltimore Colts, you know, back then. Right. And he had a camera and he went to the game and talked to the coaches of these first couple teams, the Chicago Bears, the Detroit Lions. And they said, absolutely. And somehow he got the rights to do the NFL before it was the NFL. So his little son, Stephen, grew up on the sidelines of all the NFL games. And saw that the fumbles were the most fun and started this thing called Football Follies that has won. I mean, seriously, I'm going to say 100 Emmys, but it might be more or it might be just under. But it's around that number because they got a wall of glass shelves covered with these golden sparkling Emmys with spotlights on them. It's the most magnificent thing to walk through. Like, really, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. it oh, sorry. It was magnificent. But before I left, Mr. Sable, Steve himself, he wrote... Well, this is everybody wrote on it, but this is the football that they gave me. And it's one of my most prized possessions. The things I don't know how to show you any closer, but Steve's is in the middle. It just says, man, I'm glad you're a part of our team. Best Steve Sable. And then I asked him, I said, well, what about like, if I have anybody that I want to refer to you to maybe, he said, Timmy, I'm not going to give you any kind of letter. You just give them my phone number. Like that's how he was with me, man. Kathy Davis, his secretary, was so sweet to us, too, because I just went to go be a mechanic because I didn't think he would see any creative stuff. And when he let me paint his parking spot, 
he saw me out there working and I made mincemeat of it. Really. It was just a bunch of lines, like a football field. It was as exciting as a football field is except in the end zones. It said, Steve and Sable really simple. So you missed out on that picture, but you didn't really, because I think I've described it better than it really was, honestly, but everybody <laughs> knew it was his spot. And then once he labeled it, it stayed that way. Nobody ever spot him. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it's a great story because, uh, because he was just a great guy. In fact, he was taken from us too soon, really. He was, you know, it's a shame because he had just a great life. And But then when NFL Films became big, NFL Network took over to stream it. And so now there's an NFL Network. And I was right there at the cusp of when that happened because all the people at NFL Films went to NASCAR. They did. And I don't know anything about NASCAR. That wasn't my dream, you know. And, and so, but the building was still there for NFL film for the NFL network, but it was all new people. And I had been in this terrible car accident. And so I went to Disney world with my wife and kids and she looks at me and she's like, man, look at you. You belong here. This is where you belong. And I'm like, just stop it. You know, the, the laundry list of things we'd have to do and all the odds we'd have to go against, you know, it's crazy. And then I kept, I, kept thinking, I, I mean, it, it's crazy to me reading how much like sort of pushback you were giving her because you grew up and that was your dream to, to be the yeah. artist, to work for Disney. Which, it's everybody's dream. So you have to do it though. Once you have to do it, then it's like, Whoa. Yeah. Josh, God. No, just, just, that's me. Yeah. Jo Josh wants to work at Disney as well. Yeah. I'm uh, I've been waiting. I've been, I want to do the, uh, that international program at one point. That is something I definitely want to do as well. Get on it, man! You should be writing letters. Seriously, I, I will help you. I didn't know that. <laughs> oh yeah, right now, right now, I got, I got to wait because because of the pandemic, everything is on hold for those for those yeah. programs, right? Listen, between now and the next five years, the growth in Orlando is going to be phenomenal. It's about to go kaboom. Yep. So anybody that has a dream of working for Disney or Universal Studios now, start thinking about getting to Florida. In fact, you have somebody in Canada who came by the Hagrids when we were building it. And she couldn't see us. We were behind a wall. This is a great story. And I was off doing other things because, you know, I was the art director at that point for, for that part of the job. Hmm. And I had my team work in there. And I kept preaching to them every day. I'm going to help you do this because I don't know them. You know, I met them through just like I didn't know you guys. Right. But I said, if you do this with me, I will do everything. I'll give you all my knowledge, everything. I'll open all these doors. You'll become rock stars. Just promise me someday you'll give it back to someone else. Someone that you don't know, just like I did for you. And on this way, magical spread long after I'm gone. If every artist does it and passes it on, great magical things happen. The whole world gets to be the benefit of it. Anyway, some girl was so fascinated by what these girls were doing. They were doing the entrance to Hagrid. So we worked our way backwards through the attraction till we got to the very entrance and did that last, honestly. And that's the truth of it. Because guests can walk right by that part yeah. in Hogsmeade, you know? Yeah. Yep. So there's a barrier, but there was a little crack. And this girl was so determined that she screamed through, I love what you're doing. Oh, my God, I would give anything to do that, right? So my girls are up on high reaches now, and they're trying to paint, get it ready. And, you know, I'm all over them. Come on, more blue, more green. You know, I'm a tyrant. <laughs> and they're like, shut up, Timmy. Right. Anyway, they well, say, Timmy, you all you're, you're Wait, I got a tyrant because you grew up as leader of your gang back in Philadelphia. That's right. This is the worm telling him now. This is this is this is this is big bad boss worm telling him, come on, get it done now. No, they were so gracious. And I, I all I did was fumble around these geniuses anyway. But they were trained upright. They took the training well. Anyway, 
So this girl, so we make arrangements and I come around the corner and they say, Timmy, you always say that we should help a stranger. So I open up the gate, which I'm not supposed to do at Universal. I wasn't really supposed to do this. But she, her heart was so like, she really wanted to talk to me. Here, it turns out she's this fantastic artist. She does it up in Canada for plays and stuff. And it's been her dream. So I work it out. I say, okay, well, girls, you're going to stay in touch with this girl. and You're going to do it. Well, then the pandemic hits. And I, I lose. So this is one of your countrymen now, if you're out there. I almost can remember her name. I think I might even have her phone number, but I'm not sure. But if, if she's listening. And hopefully she yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. If she's listening. Um, I didn't forget you. Her and her husband, she's married, and they're going to move down. And I'm telling you and all of your listeners, if, 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 if you're creative and you want to work down here, that for the next five to ten years, in Orlando. Now it's hot. I am not going to lie to you guys. If you're coming from Canada, almost I, I almost want to tell you don't, but you miss out on all the beauty. There's thunderstorms every day. There's there's rainbows every day. There's fireworks every night. There's hot air balloons every morning. There's a swimming pool in every house. Yep. It's the most amazing place to live. It really is. If you can get past the touristy part of it, because also everyone in the world is coming there too. So the roads can only hold like four lanes of cars, but there's eight lanes worth of cars on it. So that has delays. And this park lets out at this time. And this park. So there's all that coordination. If you can get past that, watching Cinderella be there to sing or seeing a little girl for the first time have Minnie Mouse, like hand her back, you know, her hat that fell off that was like somebody that wasn't Minnie Mouse. Like Minnie would get involved with like, say it was, you know, the princess from Tangled or something, you know. Or whatever, or just a bunny, you know, whatever they do there with a the little girl. Or a duck walks by, and, like, the guy that's usually sweeping up is, he's not going to sweep up the popcorn because he's going to let the duck grab it. And then he's going to, you know what I mean? Like, little tiny moments of magic happen everywhere. And it doesn't just happen inside the park. It happens outside. But we don't look for it until we're inside. It seems like once we cross the threshold of that gate and we're on Disney property or Universal property, we become a different version of ourselves. We've become much younger and much more ready to accept wonder and imagination. And we want to be thrilled. We want to be scared. We don't want to be scared, but we want to be scared. Do you know that feeling? You know yeah. what I mean? Like you yeah. love so much, you want to strangle them to death. Like that's, <laughs> it's the same thing, you know? But when it's over, what you have left is that memory that you have. And that's what we work for as Imagineers or as creative scenic artists or anybody that does entertainment or even the person who hands out sodas every day for 30 years is there for your vacation so that for just five minutes with the people you love, you can take a photograph, laugh a little bit, feel the sunshine on your skin and just remember what it was like to dream again. Then you can go back to your life where you got to carry pipes all day in the mud and all that stuff. I get it. But for a little while, and I'm telling you, I know what those tickets cost. I know they're expensive, but I yep. see where that money goes. And I see, I don't even know how they make money, honestly. I don't know how Disney World make, even makes money or Universal because I see all the safety things they go through and the checks and the rigorous over and over redundancies that they have to go through to just provide anything for people. Why anybody would complain, I don't know. I can understand bad things happening, but honestly, we have to ask ourselves, like, what if you go to Disney World in the right attitude, you're going to have the best time ever. Oh, yeah. Well, and you know that? It's like you bring Disney with you. So bring your best Disney there and watch what happens. You will love it. And 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 I mean, it's like you said, that reminds me of something you said when we last talked is there is that certain magic when you go to Disney World and people are on their best behaviors. And you brought up that there's people from all over the world. People yes. from nations that are fighting each other, but they go to Disney World and... There's just that magic and that love 
And, Those and, little kids are playing together because they don't know that they're supposed to hate each other. And you know, a little boy and a little girl from two different countries that are warring with each other. These two little kids don't care about any of that. They're playing with Pluto. They don't care. And that's the way we all should be. Yeah. The things we learned in kindergarten, we have to remember again. Yeah. Put things away, be nice, share, and everything is for everyone. Yeah. Like It's not a socialist thing either. I just mean in a, as a collective way. It's, there's a, a general love that should be happening in this world that is missing in a lot of parts. So it's people like the three of us to go exactly. ahead through service to others to bring it back. And the four of like, us, including Catherine. No, I got her too busy. We can't count her in. She's seriously, <laughs> boy, she is in a closet right now, sending out emails and working her butt off. She, she, I opened you the door just no to check idea. on her. <laughs> I, I opened it. That's enough out of you. I opened the door just a little bit to, to feed her some crackers and some water. And then I close it real quick. So she doesn't get out. Oh, and it smells, the smells horrible, but she puts out great work. The girl puts out phenomenal content. Like what she writes counts everything in that book. If I read it, I'd still be writing it. First of all, and second of all, no way. What she did there with the quotes in every chapter and spacing that, it that and was, the page layout. That was, that was something that I wasn't expecting either. And that I, it's a whole new form of art bookmaking. This girl, yeah, the, the, the quote, uh, the, at the start of every chapter, for anybody that hasn't read the book yet, at the start of every chapter, you have an illustration and a quote from Walt Disney. Yes. And, and was that Catherine's idea? Was that your idea? How That's all that Catherine. Mine? Catherine gets credit for all that. Hey, get back in the corner. I got you. <laughs> was, he doesn't want to let me talk. He's afraid of what I'll say. <laughs> It's funny, and I and I'm gonna I'm gonna air I'm gonna air out some stuff with with Timmy here because he messaged me on on uh, Instagram last week saying that we should get Catherine on camera for this interview. <laughs> uh, well, that was the plan, but then the week we had oh no, Catherine's like no no I don't want to do it, but that's the truth. She could have very well been on here, you know. I am on here. <laughs> yeah, she is. There you go. Yeah. Jimmy's talking like Catherine's not even here. <laughs> uh, yeah, We're just well. messing around. Listen, Magic has never had a better friend than this woman right here. She's a genius and she has a master's degree. She's an award winning author. I play around with her because we're such great friends and no one has been kinder to me and nicer to me than this woman. I mean, I, I have a right to rip on her and tear her up a little bit because we're uh -huh. such good friends. But the truth is, no, nobody could have as much respect for her as I do. This woman wrote an amazing story. Like, my story is fun, and it's really cool. But she turned it into a great story where there's something for I everybody. in some ways, Catherine helped save you. And, and Yeah, and you're darn right she and, did. And bring you back to, to a new audience. I was with you, man. I was like, oh, the pandemic's here. I'm just going to go sell oranges on the side of the road. And she's like, no way. You come with me, man. No way. We, We're going to write your this book. She washed my hair. She shaved me, and she said she put a shirt oh, on me. Of right. course, I buckled it at all because I can't and, handle and, it. And I know how much she harangues people to get you on the podcast. She messaged me a hundred times, being like, "I know, isn't she like too much almost?" She's <laughs> the extra is her. She's the extra, not me. I'm just doing there. She's the extra. Anyway, I would be nowhere without her, and I'd be nowhere without the, you guys. Honestly, like everybody, the story needed to be told. No, it absolutely I'm, did. I, I think the yes. I think the world needs to read extraordinary everyday magic by Timmy Britt. People uh, can pick it up on Amazon. I believe it's twenty four nine nine in the states, thirty ninety nine. Well, years. I have to validate that now. I saw her work for two years on this book. Seriously, a year and six months. I was actually going to ask you how long. But the work write that book. Well, I know we were talking about it last year when you were on. 
Yeah, she was working 10 to 12 hours a day nonstop for a year and six months. And then the work began. Like, I'm not kidding you with this girl. She is a bulldog. You give her a project that she believes in, she's do the work, do the work. I always have a dream that you believe with all your heart. She's do the work, do the work, do the work. <laughs> That's how this formula works out. She's done it all. And not only that, like Hunter Biden, you know, the president's son who yep. is now selling artwork for half a million dollars. Yep. He's been painting. He's been painting for a year. And if he can get a half a million dollars for painting, that's fantastic, I guess. Right. But I've been drawing and painting and sketching for 50 years and I'm only selling my paintings for 50 cents a piece. So you have to do the value to the weight cost ratio there of, of what. And, and, and in some cases you were given, you've been given away year art for free. I mean, you talk oh, about right. in the book about when you were growing up doing the, uh, the lawn art and the first, the first piece ever that you tried to sell at a flea market, you had <laughs> given away, but it worked out because the people that you gave to gave it away to. Oh, they changed my life. Absolutely. Oh, sure. They changed my life. Those, that couple. They introduced me to a guy that really took my life from, is art going to be just like my dad said, or can I make it? And once I started putting that brush on that wall and doing mur murals for like a business, it was hard work, but it was so liberating, like to be able to paint. I think it what was people go. That was the first one that you did. Wings to go. Yes, right? exactly. Right. That was the first one I did commercially. Yeah. I mean, I did big projects with the team, but that was mine. Like I just did that. Actually, the big projects with the team by then I was teaching. So, yeah, yeah, that was really it. Yeah. Wings to go was there was a couple of like kids bedrooms, like private things I've done for people. But that was the first real commercial one. And it just exploded. People would watch me and come up and oh, I had groupies all around me all the time. It was really a lot of fun, you know, and, and, but you and, don't see that every day, you know. And it all came about because you gave this couple your lawn art for free. Yes. Thanks for bringing me back. Right. And they so, were able to transform your life because of it. Oh, my God. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have had the recognition or the portfolio to get some of the other jobs that I got later on in life. I wouldn't have had any of the experience with talking to people about anything. I, you know, I was just be a, you know, a bumbling idiot. Like, like, you know, you just, you've been in a closet your whole life and then you come out and you're supposed to talk to people. No, I was out there talking to people, dealing with situations, figuring, solving problems. And when you do that with people, you know, you bond with them. And so you make friends and they want to help you. I never did anything by myself. I didn't write this book by myself. I didn't get my Imagineering helmet by myself. I didn't become an animation artist at Walt Disney World by myself. There was thousands of people to help me, but they'll help you too. That's the whole point of the book is that if you really want something, man, it's too late tomorrow to say I should have. It's right now. I wasn't even 39 or 38 till I started. Yep. So however old you are, if you're not 38 or 39 yet, as far as I'm concerned, you're still a baby. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm a couple years off. I'm 36, so I'm not far off. But you got three years in my book, bro. <laughs> And I just I'll, turned 30. I'm good. <laughs> that, you got 10 I, years, man, Josh. We're going we're gonna to be taking over the world with this podcast within yes. three years' time. Well, it takes time, and you only get so many, so much time in your life. So when you come to be about 30, that's when I'd say you're just coming out of the shell. Everything that happens in your life before the age of 30, just forget about it, man. Just don't even, like, because you don't really know anything until you're 30. Like, seriously, I'm not I'm not. That doesn't, this is not, a, I'm not trying to generally say this. I'm just overall, when you're 40, then life begins. So at 30, you're still figuring it out. By 40, you've either had kids, not had kids. You've been married, you're not married. You know, you're out of college, you've had a career, you know what you're doing in life. If you make it to 40, that's actually when your life begins. So if you're only 30, you're 10 years away and you're still four years away, 
But look at us both now with this podcast, plus all the things in your professional life as the world does open up, it's yep. going to explode on you both. You're the right kind of people. I, I don't want to get religious on it, but I don't care who you believe in or who you pray to. Just pray, all right? Just prayer works. So I don't care who you're – I'm not here to talk about that. I just want to promote the act of prayer. There's a meditative state that happens over you when you really pray that is good for you whether there's a God or not. How about that? So for the meditative purposes of prayer, just do it for that reason and watch your life change. But if you ask for the things that you need, it is an abundant universe and all will be provided for you if you ask for it. Now, don't get crazy. But if there's something that you really believe in and you think you can pull it off, even if it seems impossible, just find that first step and then the next step will come and then someone will light up the path for the third step and then the fourth step will show up. You just either believe in magic or you don't. It comes down to that. Do you believe or don't you? And then how bad do you want it? And then just go for it. I think Timmy Britt is living proof that magic exists. Yes. I've had four dreams come true. Like the NFL films was an amazing dream of mine. Then animation at Disney World. Do you know what that was like to be on stage and teach those characters? I don't even ever get to talk about the Mushu part of that job. Nobody knows, but you come into an auditorium, there'd be 200 people in there, and I had 15 minutes to explain what animation was to you with the help of Mushu, the little dragon from Mulan. So Eddie Murphy's voice will come on the screen, and Mushu would be there, and I'm on stage in this big set of, like, an artist studio where I'm explaining the movie, but there's timing because... Oh, sorry. I cannot... (laughs) I'm not used to having a wire, man. I'm killing... This wire's killing me. It happens. Link so, uh, is there something else you want to talk about? Because I want to tell you this real quick. Because I never told anybody this, and it's really cool. Catherine's going to be like, why don't you tell me that? I want to put it in the book. I want to talk about things that aren't in the book. I want people to enjoy the book. There's something in it for everybody. But I this did chapter, put it in the book. No, not what I'm about to tell anybody. Okay. Will you two tell her to get back in the hole? All right, just don't stay inside. Perfect. <laughs> Food's coming. Show her to ring the bell like normally and we'll throw food over the fence. No, I'm just teasing. I'm having fun. Catherine, I love you. Don't kill me. She's going to kill me. She's going to kill me. I actually wait till I'm sleeping. She's going to kill me. <laughs> the thing so I'm in this. So when she DMs me on Instagram after this. Yeah, I got to be careful who what I say because she's, she's sneaky. Clever. <laughs> this one. Very clever. She wrote this book. Someday, uh, Timmy, after you're gone, there will be another book. <laughs> and you won't have any say in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Suddenly, I don't feel very comfortable or safe in this space. <laughs> Suddenly, I feel ganged up upon. I can handle it, though. Let me, can I get on with my story? Yeah, tell us about Mushu. Tell us about Mushu, Timmy. But it, it, we're going to get an exclusive story here. Yeah. Nobody's ever, I've never told this to anyone before. So there's this, there's this an audience in here, and I'd have to do the show three times in a row, and then I'd have 15 minutes to go walk or do something else and go back and do three more shows. You're on stage for 45 minutes. And you're talking about animation, which I love. I could do all day long. But here I am doing it for Walt Disney World. So I'm on stage and I have, I just have this time to do it. But, you know, after you practice it, this was a long, it's a long, it's like, it's like eight minutes of memorizing script that you have to know and blocking on the stage to be in certain places. So when things pop up on the screen, you're prepared for them. It's really a lot to it. It's not just walk up and be Timmy Britt. No, this is like Disney World. You have to be on stage. It's a show. And we made people go through it so they'd appreciate what they were about to see next, which was live cells being painted. They could interact with things on the computers. They could meet the characters that they're in love with or come and learn to draw them with me. So I'd have to switch from the one job to the next job after a certain amount of time. But then I'd be there for two half-hour sessions. 
So the timing of it worked out where I had a lunch and I got so many shows a day and all that stuff. It was really cool. But in the animation show with Mushu, there's a time when we'd show a 30-second clip of the next movie coming up that you're going to see. So we tell you about animation, how far it's come. Me and Mushu do back and forth. We go back and forth with like little jokes and stuff. It was adorable. And then we show you what where we are now with it. So we'd show like Ratatouille or we'd show be your first time you saw Wally or or Meet the Robinsons. You know, there's some really great Disney movies that came through. Lilo and Stitch was coming through when I was there. So each movie that would come through, all the producers, all the artists, all the people involved wanted to come by and see what, what it looked like, you know? So I got to meet all these amazing people. But as an actor, because you're an actor at that point, you're like equity, you're, you're like an entertainer, but I wasn't really supposed to be an artist, but because other people would do that job that were just actors, but they couldn't draw. So here I am. I had to learn that craft. I learned to learn how to just do the blocking, understand where you should be, why you're doing it. Like it really makes a lot of sense where Disney does it. And they do it so amazingly, honestly, that almost anybody could do it. And that's what you're supposed to do. Just do it like everybody else. Yeah. But I can draw and I can't even stand it. I can't. So you give me 30 seconds and a piece of paper and a pencil and expect me not to draw. You got to be kidding me. But the thing is, so the audience, so the lights go dark and all you see is the screen and they're watching this 30 second clip. So I would spin my chair around and in that 30 seconds, I would draw a brand new Mickey Mouse in 30 seconds. That was Disney quality. I was really, really getting good at it. So then the lights would come on. I'd spin back around and people before were watching me now for, for 10 minutes with nothing on that piece of paper. The lights go out, the lights come back on. And there's a Mickey signed and ready to go. I would then turn around and just give it to the first little kid in the audience that caught my eye. But one time I gave it out and this woman was so mad because she watched me do it. She wanted the drawing. She must have come to class after class after class. And I didn't know. So she came up to me afterwards and she's like, do you have two humans to just draw me something? I saw you do it in 30 seconds, please. I'm like, sure. What do you want? She's like, Ursula. I'm like, oh, that's not Mickey Mouse. I'm like, sure. So I had to go back because you're not allowed to draw them without having something to look at. And Mickey's everywhere. And in the studio, there's Mickey Mouse's everywhere. You can see him everywhere. So it was okay to just kind of sketch it, you know. So, of course, I went back and I did it. And it was really cool. We became great friends. But that's just one of the little moments that I never get to tell people that happened at, at Walt Disney World when I was on that animation show. Little moments where you get with the guests and you can just be something just a little bit above for them. Just them. Not the rest of the world, but just that one person. And it made the difference of her vacation because she went home with this really cool drawing of Ursula made on Disney property by a Disney animation artist, you know, and it, and it was, was really cool. And it was personalized for her, which makes it even better. Yeah. I think yeah. her name was Connie. If I remember correctly, I'm pretty good with names. I think it was Connie. And I know a lot of people, you know, so keeping everybody's name straight is really kind of, it takes a little bit of skill. You have to work at it. Yeah. But I bartended for years and you get really good at it. <laughs> faces and drinks, faces and drinks, then it's just faces and names and, and you get it. But it is a skill, you know, you have to practice at it. Yeah. Memories, memories serve me really well. I've done a lot of things. Remembering them at my age is, is amazing, you know? So they were kind of profound and hard to forget. Your age away, but it is kind of mentioned in the book how old you are. I'm 54 years old. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be 55 this, this year. Yes. Cause I was five years old when I first went to Disney and it was yep. year one. Like October, it's amazing that. Yeah. October 25th. October 25th. Yeah. Re re reading that, like finding out that you were there to see Walt. Uh, it's Roy's, almost uh, stupid. It's, incredible. it's too much. Right. That's why I have to write the book because if I, if, if I didn't have the book, I think that people wouldn't believe me that this, this is really happened to someone's life. That's the same day that I'm there on my birthday. 
And yeah. I, I, you know, I saw the movies like everyone else, and I was really into like drawing and stuff. But well, to I, be I, there I, and see it for the first time was so amazing, guys. Like, I still remember the color of the sky that day. Like, I swear I haven't seen that blue since. I think I don't know if I wrote about that or I told Catherine, but there was a blue that day in the that, sky. That, and yeah, it's in the book. Color. Yeah, it's in the book. Thank you. Yes. I'll never forget that. And then going back and being such a big part of it and seeing how much it's changed over the years. Disney World is a growing, living thing, and it's going to keep on changing yeah. and growing. And and that's good. I want Imagineers that are only six years old right now to have these dreams and grow up and bring them to fruition for the rest of the world. I'll be long gone, but I'm part of a tradition that keeps on going. I'm just one link in a chain. I just happen to talk about it a lot to people when they want to hear about it because I just have a way of – well, just tone it in a really good light because I loved it. I loved every bit of it. Well, I Timmy, hated it too at the same time. Like, cause Timmy, it's hot. Cat, Catherine, go ahead. We'll, we'll, we'll let you out briefly so you can ask. Well, right, well, just, I, I'm going to crack I, the door a little bit. Go ahead, Catherine, if you must. Well, I think the story, I think the story kind of got talked over there. I'm not sure that it was heard, but what, um, what they were saying was that you were there on your fifth birthday and saw Roy Disney dedicate the park. And I think somehow that got talked over, but that's a really important point because you were there on grand opening day on yep. your fifth birthday. And here it is on the 50th anniversary. And we're going to be back there on the same day, October 25th, 50 years to the day standing yeah. right there where Roy Disney was. I mean, that's just, it's, it's a full circle thing, magic thing happening with the book that, uh, that is fantastic, and that's, that's amazing. I figured that was part of the book, though. I didn't want to really, really tell that. I wanted people to discover <laughs> that part of it. That let, let me ask you know, because I, I, I know Timmy's going to answer know the answer to this question. Uh, Am I? I don't know. Do, do you know Walt Disney's birthday? Actually, no. I don't know his birthday. Don't I, I don't know his I I don't know his birthday. No, I I I'm not a Walt. Like I love the spirit of Walt. The he, details of his life. He was. I, I, December 5th, 1901. I was born December 5th, 1984. So oh, I did know that. We already talked about this. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Walt Disney. <laughs> when it comes to dates, other than my birthday, ask Catherine. I don't care. I don't care what year. Like, that's why I was 39, because, you know, you go to school and you spend your life learning stuff. Time goes by, and after a while, it's the people and the faces that have always stuck with me. So Walt's birthday, I I didn't know that until you said it was your birthday. And then I remember that. Yes, that's right. December 5th, 1901. Right. Of course, I knew his birthday, but I I, I, could, I can't, couldn't recall it. I know he died around the 12th to the 14th of December as well. Which is Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. I can't remember the exact date. <clears throat> but only because of little Chase Kowalski, who got killed in the Sandy Hook tragedy right on that same day. So... I associated both their deaths together because his goal was to get to Disney by Christmas and he never made it. Yeah. Well, December they were actually, 15th. They're actually a day apart. December day 14th apart, yeah. and December yes. 15th. Yeah. Sandy Hook and Walt Disney. Well, you know, that's, it's pretty close. That's so awesome. I took, I took that little Lightning McQueen car on my birthday to Walt Disney World for him because now I'm a cast member. But what I didn't expect was all the cast members to talk backstage and tell each other that what I was doing. So everywhere I went in the park, there was people that would meet me and get their picture taken with this little car and hold the little sign for his parents, Rebecca and Steve, who I adore. I love them. You know, Rebecca came down and flew down to meet me in Florida after I sent the car home to her. She flew it back down to me and said, no, 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 you have this. But eventually magic won out. The car just got so much magic in it that 
it had to be with them. It just had to be. You know, I got Chase right here, but she has to have that beat up little car. So that's a great story. That's in the book, too. There's parts about Chase in the book. It's Lightning McQueen stuff. It's really amazing what happened. But I just want to say there's a great sadness with the Sandy Hook thing. And all I did was draw a picture. That's all I did. But they just thought it was the nicest thing, you know. And so I started to see, well, if that's how they feel about it, then maybe if people saw that they can believe in themselves and do this or believe in themselves and do that, or if they got divorced or if they thought about suicide or other things that come across in life, there's real life problems in this book for people. And yes. how I dealt with them was through God, honestly. I used God as a way, as my last resort, I got on my knees and, and I promised him if he helped me that I would tell the world that he listens. And so in this book, that's how he listened to me. He listens to each one of us differently, I think. And I'm not trying to make this religious, but you got to understand there's bigger things than us here going on in this world. There really is. Like, Josh, you're just one person. Ocho, you're just one person. I'm just I one mean, person. We, but together we can create so much magic. And I mean, exactly. But right. the three of us here, now you can see and feel the passion and the love about what we're trying to get across. And it's not, this all goes back to Disney and Universal because that's how everybody acts when they're in the park. Once you come out, we forget these simple things that we learned in kindergarten. And if we could just try to treat, and, and I'm not going to knock people. People are kind, and there is a lot of goodness out there. There's still a lot of bad, but it's getting better every day. And that's my slogan. It's getting better every day. I want people to know that it is getting better every day. So that is going to do it for episode one of our interview with Timmy Britt regarding his book, Extraordinary Everyday Magic. Once again, you can pick that up on Amazon. It's $24.99 in the US or $30.99 in Canada. And if you're unable to get it through Amazon, go to timmybrit.art, which is Timmy Britt's website, and shoot off an email and him and Catherine will find a way to get you a copy of the book to whatever region you're in. In the meantime, we hope you enjoyed episode one. Stay tuned for episode two, or for part two, I should say, of this episode. You can find out more information about Timmy by going to his website, timmybrit.art. And you can support our show by following us on social media at Ocho and Ortiz Disney Pod on both Facebook and Instagram. You can also find this show on many, many places. We are available on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn Radio, and iHeartRadio, as well as our main source of uploading, Podbean, Ocho and Ortiz DisneyPod.podbean.com. Anyways, guys, as always, whether you're listening to this in the whether you're listening or watching this in the morning, the afternoon, the evening, whatever time of day it is, where you are, when you're watching or listening to this. We appreciate you watching and listening. We thank you for watching and listening. And we'll see you very soon for episode two.